On today's episode, we're going to talk about the question, what is our biggest hurdle to improvement within our organizations? www.thehopnerd.com for fundamentals, learning teams, support, and so much more. Send us an email, thehopnerd at gmail.com, and be sure to follow along with us on all things social media at thehopnerd or at Sam Goodman. Welcome to today's episode. Hello, howdy, hi, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to another episode of the Hop Nerd Podcast. I hope things are going great for you wherever you find yourself in this big, wild, crazy, wonky, and sometimes weird world. I hope that you are surrounded by people that you love and care about. I hope that you're doing work that at the very least is good work for the right reasons, meaning it's something that you enjoy doing. It's something that is helping others. It's something that's making things a little bit better. It's something. It's something that's bringing you a little bit of joy. So at the very least, I hope you don't hate it. I hope that you're eating some good food from time to time. And I don't mean healthy food. We're all trying to do that as much as we can. But what I mean is I hope you're taking that break and you're eating that big, juicy, bone-in ribeye with the mashed potatoes. You know, the mashed potatoes that have the bacon, you know, and the cheese. And, you know, they put that little bit of truffle oil on top of it. I hope you're taking time to do that. And if that's not your jam, I hope you're having some great sushi. I don't know, something that you love. I hope that you're having great, great, great cups of coffee. That's one of my most favorite things in the world is that, like, perfect cup of coffee from time to time. I hope you're enjoying a good cigar. I hope you're enjoying some time to yourself with a good book. I hope that you're enjoying a good podcast. That's maybe not this one. That's not safety. That's not hop. I hope that you've got an awesome vacation coming up and I could keep going on and on and on. I just hope that whatever living the good life means to you, I hope that's what you're doing. For me, I'm a pretty simple guy. If I've got my family, if I've got my friends, if I've got a nice, strong, cold brew coffee, if I've got a little bit of nicotine, you know, I'm pretty open that uh, I enjoy my uh, non-tobacco nicotine products these days. (laughs) I'm moving in a bit of a healthier, a bit of a healthier direction. I know I'm going to get the, those things are terrible for you when I say that, yeah, like I enjoy my little Zen pouches every now and again. Hey, listen, I dipped skull. I'm a mountain person. I dipped skull for a long time and I found myself in, uh, you know, uh, industries where that was like the most common thing. Like dipping skull was as common as drinking coffee or water. Right. And so the fact that, uh, at least for the past several years, I've managed to avoid that. Uh, I don't know. I'll take it. It seems to be a little bit in a better direction. And, uh, you know, again, back to being a simple guy, a good steak, a nice glass of uh, a Buffalo Trace or a good just uh, any beer (laughs) every now and again. I'm a pretty, pretty happy camper. Family, friends, good food, and uh, I don't need much more than that other than the coffee and the nicotine. I can even take or leave the whiskey, although it helps. 
It helps a lot, especially on on certain days. I had a good friend tell me that uh, way back when, while we were working together at this particular company, and uh, it was challenging. You know, the company was a great company, great people, but uh, yeah, it, it had its backwards ways and its challenges, and it could be super frustrating. And he had shared with me, he said, the longer you work here, you start to realize that you don't drink for the taste, you drink for the effect. <laughs> so I've always made that my goal to to enjoy the flavor to not ever get to the position where i have to drink <laughs> for the effect obviously obviously we were just kidding around it wasn't it wasn't that bad they weren't uh, like you know churning out alcoholics it wasn't it, it wasn't that bad but the alcohol did help during our time together there that's for sure but that's a really long, rambly way to say that I wish you well. I hope that life is treating you well. I hope that things are going your way. And if it's not, just know that that always comes back around. Things always get better. Things, it's only up from here, really. I mean, life's too short to live with any other point of view. It only gets better from where we're at now. Will it get worse? Yeah, sure. But it's going to get better. Is it going to get wild? For sure. But it's going to be awesome. Is it going to get weird? For sure. <laughs> it most certainly is. It all always does. That's just called life. That's just called L-I-V-I-N-G. I I think I spelled that right. That's just called living. And I love every second of it, warts and all. And I'm glad, I'm glad that you're a part of this wacky, weird thing that we call life. Man, years back, I would never imagine that I would be sitting here talking to you through a microphone, doing a podcast. If you would have told me this 10, 15 years ago, uh, I would have told you that you were insane. (laughs) I would have laughed at you. I would even laughed with you. I would have laughed at you. But that's how life goes. And I'm glad. I'm glad that all of the little steps, the twists, the turns, we talk a lot about that in our profession, how it's such a long and weird and winding and strange trip that we find ourselves, this journey that we take to find our ways to this profession and a, a, a professions adjacent to safety and performance improvement. And, you know, I lump in all of our quality friends and environmental folks, all those folks that I would just consider in these kind of support roles. It's a weird, weird, weird path. Uh, and it's that much weirder for me having found myself now, you know, over these, what, five years or so, and I don't know how long we've been doing the podcast, it's weird. It's weird in the best possible sense of the word. Like, where I'm going with this is I'm so thankful that we get to do this. I'm so thankful that we are blessed to get to know each other. I'm so thankful that you're in my life. And I hope that through this pod, I'm giving you a little bit of value back out of that relationship. So many of you, we get to hang out like we do. We hang out whether I'm coming and spending time with you at your organization, but well beyond that, just hanging out as friends, just hanging out on Zoom calls, just chatting in the background through DMs and we send each other memes. That's it's such amazing. It's such amazing. It's so amazing to me, this little community that has grown and grown and grown and grown and grown and grown and continues to grow. And I know I'm getting cheesy. I know I'm getting corny. I can't help it. I'm just thankful. And I just appreciate each and every one of you so much, just as friends. And then, then as colleagues, and then in the grand scheme of things, of all the work that each and every one of you were doing out there, putting a dent in this thing, making things better in the trenches day and night, just trying to be helpful and do good work for the right reasons and help people 
and help leave our work worlds in a better shape than how we found it. I'm so thankful. So I apologize that I'm getting corny. I apologize that I'm getting like super cheese over here. But you know, I, I do this about once every few months. So I have to do it. I just absolutely have to do it. And the reason why I'm getting super cheese or prepping you for the super cheese is I'm going to call it a family. And I know that we get weird around that word sometimes. But so many of you out there, you feel more like family than friends. And that means the absolute world to me. It, it truly does. And I know how much this community means to so many of you as well, because we come from a profession where a lot of us found ourselves on locations far, far away from other safety folks, other folks like us, you know, and we were like the person. We were like a department of one, and it was hard. And through our modern world, you know, the blessings and the curses of technology, but the biggest blessing is that we've got to come together, we've got to build these relationships, we've got to grow these communities, and we get to do this thing together. And uh, that's just amazing to me. So I apologize for the long, corny rant. If anything, if anything, I hope that it's amped you up, that it puts a little pep in your step today, that uh, things are going well for you. And if they're not, that you're looking on the bright side and knowing that better days are coming. I hope that it makes you leave work today if you're at work or if you're on the weekend, whatever, and go and get that big old juicy bone-in ribeye. We know, we know that's the only steak, right? That's the only steak that there is. Like a good, kind of thick-cut bone-in ribeye. Does it get any better than that? I'll fight you. I think I will if you want to argue about steaks, because I don't think I've ever had a better steak than that. Like I know somebody's going to chime in and say, but what about the filet? Or I guess according to where you're from, the fillet. Um, uh, no, no. I mean, that's great and all, but a bone-in ribeye. My God, does it get any better than that? I don't think so. So I hope it drives you to go and maybe grab one of those this evening. Even if it's just you, yourself, and I, go grab you a steak. Go grab you that, uh, that nice cold brew coffee. Step outside. Have a nice cigar, enjoy a good book, enjoy a nice glass of wine, and enjoy this weird, wacky thing that we call life. It's way too important to take all that seriously, right? We've talked about that a little bit, even in our hop journeys. It's way too important to take all that seriously. You got one shot at it, and I hope you're making the most out of it. So let me tell you, because um, I haven't told you in a while, do me a favor. Go pick up 10 Ideas to Make Safety Suck Less if you haven't picked up 10 Ideas to Make Safety Suck Less. I see that book everywhere that I go, it's kind of wild. I mean, it's wild. And we've given away hundreds of copies of that book as well, like over 300 copies since it came out. We're doing our best to give as many of those away as we possibly can. Uh, but if you haven't read it, please go read it. Let me know what you think about it. If you absolutely love it, leave it a review. If you hate it, make sure you re-gift it to uh, one of your enemies or your frenemies or someone that you don't really care for that much in life. That's fine too. But I think that you'll enjoy it. So many of you have let me know how how helpful that book has been to you. Also head over to the website, make sure you check out the resources page. I'm slowly adding stuff there, but I've really been pouring a lot of time, uh, somewhat, I can't really lie to you and say I've been pouring a ton of time, but I've been spending like a day here and a day there trying to write some stuff and trying to pour some stuff into the blog. Uh, the latest of which, or the, I guess the largest of which, the most effort <laughs> was put into this uh, growing hop guide that we published over there on the blog. And that has been received extremely well. 
I've got a lot of great, great input from that little blog. Uh, and it's a great read, especially if you're just starting on your hop journey, or even if you've been on it for a minute, uh, it might be a great place to compare some notes or get some ideas on kind of next moves. Check that out and let me know what you think about it. And again, my year is wild, wacky, and crazy. Most of you know, you follow along with me on LinkedIn. And if you're not, uh, go check me out on LinkedIn. You'll find my name, Sam Goodman, and my ugly face. And you just click follow. And it's, it's like super easy. Uh, but many of you do follow along with me there and you see all the wild, wacky, crazy adventures that I've got going on here, there, and everywhere. And what feels like, I mean, the globe. I mean, I've been waiting for the call to go to outer space um, at this point. <laughs> at this point, which back to only living once, man. One go on this weird merry-go-round. I think I would do it. I think I would have to do it, right? You've got to go. If you've got the chance, you've got to do it. Uh, but I don't see that happening anytime, anytime soon. Um, but you've seen, I'm kind of here, there, and everywhere. So if you need a help oh, throughout the course of this year, send me an email, thehopnerd at gmail.com because gee whiz, wild, crazy. I don't even know what words to put in here. <laughs> that calendar gets uh, gets full. It gets too full sometimes. And I do plan on taking some vacation this year at some point. So just letting you know, if you want to throw some days on there, we got to do it and we got to do it it soon because once that vacation block goes on that calendar, I'm not moving it. I'm sorry. I'm not moving it. It's just not going to happen. Now, another thing is a big reason why I post a lot of the places that I go is because if I'm coming to your neck of the woods, if I'm coming to your hometown, uh, if I'm coming to where you're at, I'm more than happy to uh, catch up with you. We'll grab dinner. We'll grab one of those bone-in ribeyes. We'll grab a nice cup of cold brew coffee. We'll gladly talk hop or we'll just hang out. Like, I'm cool. Like, if I'm there, more than happy, more than happy to hang out with you, more than happy to talk hop, more than happy to grab a cup of coffee. I do it like all the time. Like really, like all the time, almost, I won't say all the, I won't say every post. I was going to say every time I post something like that. That's not true. Um, but it feels like that. <laughs> it does. Every time I post like, hey, I'm going to be here or hey, I'm here. I usually get a message or I get a text or I get a call or I get an email and be like, hey, I'm here. You want to meet up? I know the best coffee place in town. Let's meet up and talk hop. And uh, happily. I, have, I love that stuff. That's back to that community thing that we were just talking about. That's why I do it. It's amazing. Why the heck would we not meet up and get a cup of coffee and talk up? Of course. It's so rare, right, that some of us that we get to see people in person, right, from people that we know and have grown friendships with. And, yeah, so that's why I do that. If you want to meet up, again, happy to do that. Would love to see you in your hometown, especially if you can show me the best steak or the best cup of coffee around. Man, so I've been trying to throw in a little bit more production value to these things, I guess. <laughs> you know, a little more music here and there, you know, a little more of this and that and the other. And I don't throw that in there to uh, sound like a weird late night show. I like it because it's funky. I, I mean, I, I don't share too much of my musical taste, but it's uh, a little eclectic to say the least. I mean, you could look around the, my office. And many of you have seen the crap behind me and know that I'm a pretty eclectic person. Um, I just gather. I gather things that I enjoy. I gather things that I love. I've got a little bit of everything. My hobbies look like that too. My music looks like that. My taste in food looks like that. My taste in art looks like that. I'm just, I don't know. I think I'm just eclectic and probably a bit eccentric <laughs> on top of that as well. Um, but a, a huge genre of music that I love is I love like, I love funk. I love like that 60s, 70s, really 70s, 70s kind of 
funk. Like, I, I just, I love it. I love it. Like, if you see me walking through the airport, and I have bumped into some of you here and there in the airport, which is which is kind of cool, there's a high probability that uh, that one, one of my go-to, like, favorite, like, put a pep in my step, get me amped up, especially when I'm feeling, like, kind of like, ugh, like, I don't want to do this, like, today's dragon. I'm in the airport for the fifth time this week, and I need to, like, you know... Uh, 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 we know, we know, because we spend a lot of you, we all spend, many of us, in these things that we do in life, we spend a lot of our life in transit where we're not here, we're not there, we're kind of stuck in between, right? We're kind of stuck in the airport or on the plane or in the back of an Uber or standing in line trying to rent a car and then finding out that there aren't any cars and having to wait for six hours for someone to return a car. We we know this life. <laughs> you guys know this life extremely well. You know it just as well, if not better than I do. This is the life that we live. But when I'm stuck in transit, when you if you bump into me in the airport, there's a high probability that I'm I'm like rocking like Commodore's machine gun or, or, or something something along those along those lines. I just I just love it. I'm gonna help it. And this is one of my many loves in the world of music. But I'm going to shut up since I explained why you're getting that kind of funky sound and jam as a nice little kind of interlude into uh, what we're talking about. And I want to answer the question. Right? I mean, we're like 16 minutes, 17 minutes in, and I haven't even got to this stupid question yet. I, I guess I shared it at the beginning. But the question was, what's our biggest hurdle to improvement within our organizations? Now, to me, it's this. Our biggest hurdle to improvement is information. This is usually when everyone starts arguing with me. <laughs> I mean, genuinely, because I, I share this question a lot uh, in a lot of the conversations that I have in person with folks, right? I, I share this question. Many of you out there that have sat through kind of my uh, high-level hop learning teams kind of keynote conversation, I've asked you this question. And sorry, I'm drinking my cold brew here, so I'm not going to edit that out. But this is usually where I have to like jump to answer really fast. <laughs> Because uh, if I wait, uh, a lot of times we're going to get, well, people not caring enough. That's our biggest hurdle to improvement. It's the fact that the organization won't fix stuff. It's uh, this. It's that. It's, and it's usually some of those answers. I'm, they're well-intended answers. Uh, and they're not, I'm not sitting here painting them as entirely wrong. Um, but I think it goes deeper than that. And I mean, you can think of a hundred different things, right? It's just as I can think of a hundred different things other than the answer being information to come up with why our organizations are usually struggle or have what's our biggest kind of roadblock to get around to improvement. I still come back to information. And let me explain that a bit in the context of, I mean, I guess some of the jabs I just took at myself. Um, I rarely find that we have a lack of care problem. Uh, that's almost never. I, genuinely, right? That goes back to this idea of people not being the problem, people being the problem solvers, better assumptions about the humans that make up our work worlds, the humans that we work with every single day. I just struggle with this idea that they don't give a shit. I, I genuinely now don't see that. I have rarely, and I'm not saying that doesn't exist, of course, but it's in such a small little dot in our work worlds, I think in our worlds, generally speaking, I'm an optimist here a bit with this, but especially in our work worlds, this 
highly selective environment where we force people to jump through so many hoops and we examine their histories. And I mean, to the point to where we talk about this in 10 ideas, back to plugging the book a little bit, that we poke and we prod and we test and we check and literally we draw blood from people, right? We check their blood. Uh, we check their background. We check them for criminal histories. We, we call their previous employers. We check their references. We do everything. We're highly selective about who we allow into our work roles in, in the first place. So I think that percentage, while it might be larger in our, in our general worlds, I mean, just, just guessing here, but in our work worlds, it's extremely small. I mean, just thinking out loud here, it just wouldn't make sense that the vast majority of people in our work worlds don't give a shit. In fact, I think it's the opposite. I would have to say that 99.99999% at least give a pretty decent amount of shits. Uh, they really do. They're there. They're there. And let's let's not kid ourselves. Yeah, uh, like the job market is up and down and things change, but there's always another job, man. Uh, really, right? If, if they don't give a shit about us, why the heck are they going to stay? We know that people typically come to work to do a good job. I mean, they come to work, they don't come to work to make errors. They don't come to work to hurt themselves or other people. And that's not how this works. We know this. We know this. So I know the answer is not that people just, just typically don't care. They just need to care more. If they cared more, they would make change. No, I don't, I don't buy that. I don't buy that at the frontline level. I don't buy that at the, at the frontline leader level. I don't buy that at the manager, director, executive, CEO level. I just don't because I know these people. And many of you, almost all of you know these people. You go spend time. And I'm, again, I'm not saying that shitheads don't exist. Uh, they do. It's life. Of course shitheads exist. But it's kind of rare. It's, it's pretty stinking rare from what I found. Most places from the boardroom to the coalface, just good people giving lots of shits, trying to do they, do, do, the, do they best, <laughs> do the best that they can with what they got. That's really it. That's really it. So I know it's not lack of care. And I'm going to extend that into the other jab that I took at myself a little bit there around this idea that well, organizations are just kind of lazy and they just, you know, they don't want to do that, you know, and, and they just won't fix stuff because it costs money. And maybe some from time to time, for sure. Like, well, of course we have economic budgetary limitations. Of course. Of course we have to pull together resources. Of course. Like, I, I just, I don't see that either. Right? I don't see that. If there's a big gaping hole out there that's eating our people, we're typically pretty good about going out there going, shit, we need to plug this hole. Let's move some money around. Let's get folks in here with some backhoes and let's fill this big gaping person eating hole in to make sure that it doesn't eat people anymore. If things are obvious to companies, if it's those, look, we call those low-hanging fruit or... I won't call them quick or easy fixes. Sometimes they're pretty large fixes. But if they're obvious, if they're obvious things that we need to fix, I don't see that very often. I just don't. Now, I am in a bit of silo. I'm going to admit that I work with usually anywhere from, I won't say uh, teeny tiny, but I'll say small to massive companies, but high performing highly reputable organizations. That's typically where I spend my time. I mean, I do. And I will tell you that in these high-performing, reputable organizations, if they know that something needs to be fixed, guess what they do? They usually freaking fix it. <laughs> they 
pretty good. They're pretty good at pursuing those things rapidly, aggressively. They GSD usually when they know about things. Now, I know, I know the horror stories exist. Uh, yeah, you know, that company, they knew about that for years. And, you know, of course, yeah, evil is in the world. Of course, of course, that crap is in the world. Of course, of course, we will encounter those things where it's like, yeah, big evil company or little evil company. That's <laughs> just big gaping man-eating hole. Who cares? They're just people. Let them eat it or let the hole eat people, I guess. You know what I mean. Of course, we see those things. We read about it in the news from time to time. We see those things. But that is that is not the norm. That is definitely, most certainly not the norm within our world. It's, it's just not. I have not walked in to like the bazillionth floor in a company and walked into that fancy executive conference room ever. And I find myself in these executive conference rooms pretty frequently. And I found myself in there Long before I was ever the Hop Nerd LLC, the companies that I worked for, I was lucky to get to work for some great companies where if I wanted to go talk to an executive, guess what I could do? I could go get on an elevator and I could roll up there and I could talk to an, to an executive. Now, they were almost always surprised um, because a lot of people didn't take them up on that offer, but they were always thankful. They were always thankful that you felt that you could come up and talk to them. And no matter when I found myself in those situations, I found myself in a in the boardroom. I found myself in the executive conference room. I found myself in the office of CEOs, and I found myself at in the office of insert some title here everywhere in between, all the way down, all the way through our organizations, all the way to the coalface of standing there in the rain next to an employee while they're trying to do something. Going, do you need anything? You have to. You know exactly what I'm talking about, and I have never found. I've never found, I've never like walked into the executive conference room and walked in and saw them in there with their monocles and their cigars and their scotch plotting how they were going to kill or hurt or maim their employees. I never walked in while they had their monocles and their scotch, right? And they're, they're just sitting there going, <laughs> let's count our money and see how we can make our employees miserable and make it super bad for them to work, super dangerous for them to work while they're sitting there putting their golf balls, you know, into uh, their empty scotch glasses. That doesn't exist. Come on, man. Like, really, at least, again, I know somebody's going to say, but it exists every now and then. Of course. Yeah, there are anomalies. The Like, uh, I know, I know. So somebody's going to give me some flack for that. I know, of course. But it's just not the norm. It's it's a rarity. Back to uh, kind of what we we're saying about people generally giving a sh pretty big shit about, about their organizations, about the work that they do, about the people that they do that work with, the people around them and throughout their organizations. Uh, back to my point on the company, if they know about something and it's within their power to make it better. They almost always at least try. Some of those attempts are missed. Some of those attempts are a little bit misguided. Sometimes we do a whole bunch of fixing when we should really be focused on learning and improving. They do some big, grand, rapid things. Sometimes it makes things far, 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 far worse. We know those words that resonate with us deeply that we all have a little bit of post-traumatic stress from. Knee-jerk reactions. We know. We know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, of course, of course, of course. But I'm exploring all the avenues. I know, I know. No, no, but I'm coming back to this key point that it's information. It's information. I know as organizations that if we know about something, if I have genuine and accurate information about something that we can clearly see that needs to be made better, we typically do if it's within our power to do so. If I'm at the front line 
and it's something that's within my grasp of making better, and I know that I need to make it better, guess what I typically do? <laughs> I typically try my damnedest at least to make it better. As people, if we see something that's broken, we tend to want to pick it up and fix it. That's, that's what we do. We tend to want to make things better. We tend to want to leave things better than how we found them. So back to my main question. Uh, again, I know this is probably a rambly rant. With, I don't know why I say that, because they all the rambly rants. You know what you're getting. You know what you're getting when you come here. You're getting Sam exploring thoughts and ideas with you. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm doing here. I'm, not, I'm trying my best not to talk at you. I'm trying to explore the stuff that's rattling around in my head with you, because if I'm thinking it, you're probably thinking in it too, or at least somewhere around there, right? At least somewhere in the sphere, right? In this collective consciousness, I think that we share, not to sound a little too hippity dippity there. But back to the question, our biggest hurdle to improvement, with all that out of the way, it's information. To me, it's information. As organizations, it's information. It's the ability to genuinely and accurately know more. It's the ability to genuinely and accurately learn more. It's learning, meaningful and deep learning about the reality of our work worlds, the reality of our operations. Now, in our world of human and organizational performance and uh, beyond, uh, our modern world of improvement, we tend to throw fancy pants words on stuff because we gotta, and we tend to call that operational intelligence. And really, to me, all that that means is it's this great, good, bad, ugly, and sometimes scary information, this story of how things normally get done within our work worlds. It's really this story of how things almost always go right and how they sometimes go wrong. It's this ability to tap into this operational intelligence, this operational reality faced by those throughout our organizations, those that typically get stuff done get shit done, sorry for my self-censor there, to learn for the, from those nearest to the work. This ability to gain this vitally needed operational intelligence, it gives our organizations more information to make better decisions. It allows us to improve the context in which work takes place, the setting, the setting in which work takes place. It really allows us to improve that operational reality faced by people throughout our organizations. It allows us to improve the quality of work, the safety of work, the efficiency of work, and on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Sometimes even the quality of life within our organizations. In our worlds, this high-risk kind of place that most of us find ourselves, we deal with critical risks all the time. You know, sticky, storm, stabby, sticky, storm, stabby, the three basic critical risks that most organizations in our world have. Shit that kills you, shit that bankrupts you, and shit that really matters. We know those. We talk about those. Shit that kills you, duh. The stuff that actually maims or kills employees. Shit that really matters. Quality, environmental, all the stuff that we typically have to get right way more <laughs> than we get wrong, uh, which both of those lead into the latter. Right? The shit that bankrupts you. If we get the shit that really matters really, really wrong, more wrong than we get it right, we tend to start to go out of business. If we're killing people left and left, left and right, left and right, we tend to start to go out of business or get put out of business real fast. Right? Those critical risks to our organizations, this ability to know more, this operational intelligence, this, this knowing more, it allows us 
to know more, to learn more about and better safeguard or control those areas of critical risk within our businesses. The biggest hurdle to improvement, it's the ability to know more. It's the ability to know more. Learning is the only real tool that we have to better the work worlds that surround us. So many, pretty much all, all of the concepts, I would venture towards all, all of the concepts that we talk about in this collection of thought that we call human and organizational performance, they focus on just that, creating an environment in which learning is possible, creating an environment where we get to know more. Really, it's approaching things a bit differently so we can clear the roadblocks, the log jams, to deep, meaningful, powerful learning and improvement within our organizations. So to me, that's the biggest hurdle. That's the biggest hurdle. It's information. Now, again, I'm taking that a bit deeper because how do we free up that flow of information? It's those better beliefs and assumptions. It's crafting that environment. Again, for me, it's these principles of human and organization performance, these ideas that are contained within safety differently, the 10 ideas that we talk about so much, not just letting them live on a sheet of paper, not just letting them live in all of our social media rantings and ravings and all those different things. There's this gigantic freaking argument that still continues around the internet about safety one's best, safety two's best, STFU, like, my God, like, a bunch of talking heads sitting around us, right? Safety folks <laughs> sitting around talking about this is better, that's better, I'm right, you're wrong, and people are dying. No, I, I pass. I don't get involved in that crap. I just don't. Uh, we're, I'm, I'm with you. We're doing too much good work, doing it for the right reasons to get mired down in this pissing contest of what I've got's better. No, your mine's better. Mm-mm, you do. Look, everyone looking down their nose across their spectacles at each other. No, not 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 for me. Not for me. Um, and I don't think it's for many of you either. Uh, we tend to just put our nose down and uh, continue to try to do good work and do it for the right reasons and leave things better than how we found them. Actively trying to grow, trying to evolve our approaches to just make things better, to make things more human, more humane. And the best way that I've found to define what human and organizational performance means to me, I shared it in this growing Hop article the other day, is this, is I think of Hop as a collection of better beliefs, assumptions, thoughts, and ideas from diverse and varying sources applied through the lens of a core set of principles. And that's it. And here's where I'm going with this. Through those better beliefs and assumptions, those thoughts and ideas, we're creating an environment where we get to know more because we're creating an environment where people can actually tell us the truth. We're creating an environment where people can bring us the raw and real deal story of normal work, the great, the good, the bad, the ugly, the scary, the weird, knowing that when they do, We're not going to melt down. We're not going to shit ourselves. We're not going to panic. We're not going to tar and feather them. We're not going to take them out front and duct tape them to the flagpole so everybody can blame them and shame them because they were the last one holding something when it went wrong. right? It's that. I really don't care what we call that. 
Uh, to be honest with you, I, I don't. I don't. I mean, I get in trouble for using the safety word too much. Again, back to people looking down their nose across their spectacles at you with judgment, judgment, because I say safety too much. So I don't really give a shit. I really don't. (laughs) I'm not, I don't want to be involved in this dumb argument. I, I just refuse to be. What I'm concerned with, no matter what we call something, Again, getting in trouble for calling something safety. I get in trouble for calling what I do hop. Uh, people out there get in trouble for calling what they do safety or safety one or not doing safety differently enough or doing safety differently too much or oh, that's not HRO. That's not resilience engineering. Uh, the, the <sighs> you can hear me bashing my head against the wall. And it's really just me slapping my hands on the desk, but you get where I'm going. <laughs> I don't care what we call it. What I care about is that we can have deep and meaningful conversations within our work worlds. What I care about is that we're creating an environment where people can share with us the great, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the scary. What I care about is that we're learning and that we're improving, that we're learning the story of normal work, that we're creating an environment in which people can tell us that story, that story that is almost always of how things normally go well and how they sometimes go wrong. That's what I hope for. I don't care what it's called. I don't care uh, what other people want to call it. I I genuinely don't care. (laughs) I don't care. I'm more interested in the work. And I know you are too, because you're out there putting a dent in this thing every single day, every single night. Some of you standing in the rain, some of you standing in the snow, trying to do good work and doing it for the right reasons, doing exactly what we're talking about, clearing those roadblocks crafting those better beliefs and assumptions, growing those better beliefs and assumptions, building and growing relationships with those throughout your organizations, focused on just taking good care of folks, focused on treating people how you want to be treated, treating them as adults, as other adults in this adult, adult thing that we should be doing. You're out there day and night helping being helpful, not trying to do crap to, not trying to do stuff for, but doing stuff with folks. And it shows. It shows. When we go down that path and we do those things, we craft those better beliefs and assumptions, we see that log jam start to come undone. We see that happen. You've seen it. I've seen it. We've been there. We've done it. We know. When people feel comfortable, to bring us that stuff, that stuff that a lot of times they know we'd rather not have to hear or they think we'd rather not have to hear, which is usually a pretty good assumption because sometimes we don't want to have to hear it. And they definitely know they don't want to have to freaking tell us, but they know that they can. Jesus, we can do some amazing things. If we have that information, if that information is flowing freely, when we because because we've shaped that environment where that's possible it's not only possible but it's likely we find ourselves in a pretty good position we find ourselves operationally smarter because we get to know more we find ourselves in a position where people can bring us the great the good the bad the ugly and the scary and we can have that conversation they can bring us the oh shit man let me tell you I almost died over their last week conversations. And we can actually do something with that. That starts with better beliefs, better assumptions. That, that, that starts 
with viewing those people that we work with through a better lens. It, it really does. It, better beliefs and assumptions about our fellow humans. So don't get mired down in the arguments. Don't get mired down in uh, the talking heads, the hot air. No, just don't. I, I don't. I try my best not to. Some people drag me into it from time to time, and I just purposefully ignore <laughs> most of the time. I and mean, you probably should, too, not try to tell you what to do or anything. And sorry for a little detour side rant here, I guess, if we want to call it that. But I think it's important. I think it's important. You know, Clive Lloyd published a really interesting article a while back. I think it's called Stop the Naval Gazing or something like that. You've probably read it. It's been out for a minute, and it's such a great article. You know, and he's just kind of pointing to the fact that, uh, you know, it, it's kind of the same conversation. Like, there's no empirical evidence. So safety one, safety two, any of these things work better or worse, or any of these, any of these things. I think if we just collectively continue to work to try to make things better, I think that's the important point. I would encourage you to go read that article. I'll link it in that growing hop guide that I've got published over on the blog uh, at thehopnerd.com. It's, it's a great quick read if you want to check out Clive's article. It is linked there, so you can definitely, definitely easily, easily find that because the labels just aren't all that important. They're, they're just not. And the people arguing about the labels, I don't know. I find myself kind of pondering if they have anything better to do with their time. I, I, I genuinely just kind of giggle at it. Because what I find from a, a tactical standpoint, to sound really corporate from those of us out there in the trenches doing this stuff, it, me and you and everyone in between that are out there just pushing that rock up the hill, trying to make things a bit better. Folks that would just call themselves traditional safety folks that are making a really positive impact in the world. Folks that would call themselves hot nerds that are just trying to make a positive impact on our worlds. Folks that could call themselves this or that or the other or refuse to have the word safety anywhere near their title. And again, everything in between. The thing that I find with these folks that are out there trying to make things a bit better, they're still going back to better beliefs and assumptions. Uh, they're, they're still uh, so similar, right? We're, we're, whether the person that's out there trying to make things better and evolve their approaches, they're not concerned whether we call this hop. They're not concerned whether you say, well, you're a traditional safety person. You have, you have some traditional components to, to your safety management. Good. Like nobody said that stuff was horrible or evil. Not, not all of it, I guess. Like the, the best, the best folks out there, we don't see blame as useful. I just don't. We don't. We know that we can't like blame and punish and blame, shame and retrain our way to operational excellence. Of course, better beliefs, better assumptions. We know that people tend to make tend to do things that make sense to them in the moment. That they make decisions that make sense to them in the moment. That context drives behavior. Uh, of course, uh, we know that. We know that how we respond matters, and it matters a lot. We know that learning is vital, uh, we, and we could tie that into all those kind of ten ideas that we talk about so much, and we could tie those into all those ideas of safety differently, and kind of on and on and on and on and on and on. And we're all kind of saying same similar stuff, maybe in a bit of different ways, but we kind of mean the same thing, right? This idea that we're all different and enemies for some reason in this pursuit of making things a bit better is ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Where I'm going with this to try to <laughs> to try to put a little bit of a bow on the end of this kind of side rant in line with our question about you know uh, our biggest hurdle to learning and improvement. 
maybe we could call this our biggest hurdle to learning and improvement in our professions or in adjacent professions. <laughs> but I don't think that we're all that different. You know, I've had the the absolute pleasure and honor to get to spend time with folks uh, that are traditional safety folks. I've had the absolute pleasure and honor to get to spend folks that time with folks that are strong BBS folks, behavior-based safety folks. I've had the distinct honor and pleasure to get to spend time with all kinds of folks, uh, both in my professional life internal to organizations, as my professional life as a coach and as a consultant, and obviously through the Hop Nerd podcast, like all over the place, talking to people uh, all through the different kind of shades and, and, and the different kind of like flavors of whatever we want to call this pursuit of doing things better, of taking better care of people, of humanizing our approaches. And we almost all agree on those core things. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just not so convinced that the argument matters that much. I think our biggest thing is we have to get back to our question. Anything that creates silence in our organization is bad for us. Anything. Anything that causes those log jams, that causes people to not be able to share with us the truth or makes that very unlikely that they will share with us the raw, the real, the ugly, and the scary truth. Anything that drives people to not feel comfortable bringing that information forward. The oh shit almost out over their conversations. The holy crap that almost burned down last week conversations. The, this is super inefficient and dumb conversations. Anything that moves us towards silence is bad for us. It's bad for us. So uh, back to the question. I'm going to shut up, I promise. You know, rambly, ranty. You know, I guess ranty is a word. I'm hoping that it's a word. I've been using it a bunch, so hopefully that it's a word. But you, you know what I mean. What's our biggest hurdle to improvement? It's information. Anything that log jams our ability to tap into the lived operational reality of our organizations, anything that makes it hard, unlikely, or impossible for people to tell us the truth, the great, the good, the bad, the ugly, or the scary, it's bad for us. It's bad for the people in our organizations, and it's bad for our businesses. It's even bad for the bottom line. These concepts, these ideas, these better beliefs, these better assumptions, these better approaches, these better tactics, they almost all, they almost all revolve around this idea of creating an environment in which learning is possible, of approaching things a bit differently so we can clear those roadblocks, those log jams, to deep, meaningful, powerful learning and improvement deep, meaningful, and powerful information about the reality of work, warts and all, so we can learn and improve together. I don't give a shit what we call that, other than calling it doing things a bit better. Thanks for listening, everybody. We greatly appreciate all of your support of the Hot Nerd Podcast, the Hot Nerd LLC. If you need a little bit of help of bringing human and organizational performance to life, if you would like to take your efforts around learning and improving to the next level, yep, I can help with that. Head over to www.thehotnerd.com or send me an email, thehotnerd at gmail.com. Until next time, bye, everybody. Bye.